All right, well, an old school. Jake, <laughs> Mark Thompson with you guys today. What so that, about that? Mark Thompson, well known as one of the best humans on the planet. Uh, so it's a pleasure to have you here. Well, as long as they're handing out that title, I'll take it. Yeah, it's <laughs> always cool to hang with my brother, Jake. Yeah. All right, excellent. In fact, I want to go up with an upper called coffee. TooStrongCoffee.com slash TYD. It's delicious. It's organic. It's fair trade. It gives money to progressive causes because it can. And why not? Uh, so go for it. Check it out. It's delicious. All right. Can I can I ask you a question about uh, coffee and uh, a urinalysis I had? Would you mind if I started in this place? You, I literally wasn't going to talk about it, but then you held up the coffee, and I thought of it. I, I, I hope you. We don't have to do it now, but at some point, I'd like no, to touch no, on it. no, no, Mark. That's where you're wrong. We have to do it right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's old school. What, what else? So, so just a Friday, I was to have blood work and your analysis done. You know, I've been a year or whatever, you know, and they just, they do it every year. So they tell you no food after midnight, but you can have water and coffee. Hmm. So I, for some reason, because I'm, I don't know, because I don't like to be told you can't have any food, don't, I can't have one thing, but you're told you can have another thing. I load up on the other thing that you can have, which in this case is coffee. And I drank, I might have had, I had espresso after espresso, I've got this big espresso machine, and I might have had 15 espressos. Oh okay? my I mean, God, are yeah. you insane? And, and I drink so much espresso and coffee that I didn't even notice it. I, I swear to you, my, my heart rate, nothing, I wasn't, except I had to pee a lot, right? Because it's a, a diuretic and I was drinking water too. So I'm pounding water and espresso. So I back time my uh, visit to the toilet so that I'll be able to give them the urinalysis that you need. Because there's nothing worse than going to the doctor's office. I'm only there for the blood test and urinalysis. The whole thing will probably take five minutes, maybe. But if you can't produce the urinalysis, you know, the urine for the analysis, then you're going to be there longer. Yeah. So I back time it. And I, I literally back time, I started clocking like, you know, all I need is this amount of time to get the doctor's office. Then bam, I can unload some urine. They take the blood and I head back. I get there. Uh, well, the problem was that there was construction that closed a bunch of streets, uh, literally not making this up. I had to go way out of my way to get to the doctor's office. It took me about 20 to 25 minutes longer. And because I back timed and I'd been pounding all this espresso, I'm desperate to go to the bathroom, okay? I mean, I'm, I'm sweating like a guy having a stroke. It was unbelievable. And, and then I get to the doctor's office in the medical building, and I get on the elevator, and it's like the longest ride ever, even though it's the same length as it's always been. And I burst in the doctor's office, and I announce, hey, I've back time my urinalysis. Really need to get in right away, though, to give you the... So they get me in, and this is the coffee part. I give them the urine sample, and I notice that before I put the cap on the cup, the smell of espresso is overwhelming. I don't mean it's a little, I mean, I'm not smelling it, okay? I didn't put it up to my nose. I'm telling you the bathroom was filled with this pungent, rich, juicy, almost flavor of 
espresso and coffee. It was as though you'd walked into too strong coffee or whatever. I mean, it was, it was. And so I had to remark to the guy, I, I gave him the, the urine sample. And I said to the guy who was taking the blood test, I said, Hey, I just have to tell you something. This has never happened before, but they told me I could only have water and coffee. And I think I really went overboard on the coffee and espresso. And when I actually gave you the urine sample, I could smell it. I mean, it filled the whole bath. And he said, wow, that could be a, that could be an issue. I said, well, what, what, what kind of thing would happen? He said, well, your cholesterol levels could be way off. And your, uh, uh, then he named a couple of other things that I thought. And then he sounded like he was kind of BSing me a little bit, like he didn't really know. But, you know, when you get to a point where you're, I'm thinking, hey, you know, it sounds like we both know the same little amount of, of this subject as each other. Uh, and I said, well, if it's way off the charts or something, you know, call me and, I, and, and I'll go back. But uh, it just happened. And I'm I'm curious. Maybe somebody in the TYT audience knows if it really can throw off the, the readings. But Jenk, I was uh, I'll never make that mistake again. It coursing through my veins was caffeine and coffee. It was insane to the point that every bit of liquid that came out of my body uh, had the, you know, had the smell of, of a Starbucks. Did any beans come out? <laughs> <laughs> yes, oddly, beans did come out, but it was it was a delayed bean ejection. Yeah, yeah. Um, I cannot. <laughs> well, I guess that would wait. be an excretion. Actually, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I cannot wait for you to go back to the doctor and have him say, "Mr. Thompson, I I don't know what happened here, but your readings appear to be too strong." <laughs> <laughs> bravo, bravo, Jack. <laughs> And then you just tell them, oh, brother, it's too strong coffee.com yeah. slash TYT. It's not that big a deal. But That's a sure fair trade, your analysis that you took there, doctor. That's right. <laughs> yeah. See, I just did analysis right there. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, in all seriousness, well, not in all seriousness, because this is a totally goofy story. Uh, okay. Like, why did you do 15 espressos? Uh, and did yeah. you do them at night or in the morning? No, I did them in the morning. And okay. I. I had a routine kind of, I do, I'm up early and I'm hammering coffee anyway. In this case, you couldn't have any cream or anything, you have to have black coffee. So I do the black coffee and then I started making espressos and I really love espresso. So I just started hammering them and I thought, oh, this is okay. And there's also a certain sweet spot when you make an espresso just right, you get the right amount of crema on it and everything. And I, uh, I don't know, I guess I really loved the espresso as it was coming out of the machine and I just kept doing it. I normally don't have that many. I might, I might have eight something like that uh, over the course ah. of a day. But it, I enjoy making them, so I just uh, uh, went I, I thought I thought an espresso, even though it's small, had packed the same punch as a cup of coffee. Is that I'd heard I'd heard that uh, the from a from a caffeine standpoint in terms of packing a punch, that coffee actually can be stronger. And the reason is, again, I've heard uh, it it steeps longer over the as it as it settles in over the ground than does the espresso, which is pushed through more quickly. Again, don't know if that's true. I uh, heard that that was the case. But at this point, I've had so much of both that my system just, you know, shakes it off. I could, I could literally have a double espresso and go to sleep, you know. Yeah. Martin, I like how you're like, I'm not sure that it, it, it was going to, that it affects me. But I know on the way to the doctor's office, I was sweating like I was having a stroke. Uh, no, like, that was, that, wait a minute, let's be clear, that was because I needed to go to the bathroom, not because of the coffee, but <laughs> the coffee is making me 
You're right. The coffee is a diuretic that's cranked up to 15 also, and it's making me needing need to go. You're absolutely right about that. So it's not. It's definitely having an effect. That, that's a fair point. So if I had 15 espressos, I would imagine my head was split in two because. And so I'm curious about what what your take on this is, because I know exactly what my sweet spot is for coffee. It's two to two and a half cups. Oh, wow. once I get to three, especially if I get to three and a half cups, good night, Irene. I'm going to get a headache. Um, and it's going to be too much caffeine for me. And I'm already hopped up. You know how I am naturally, right? And you add two and a half cups, let alone of two and a half cups of just too strong coffee, and I'm already through the roof. And if I go yeah. any higher, it starts to hurt my head. Um, what, what's, I mean, what do you do? 12? Well, I'll tell you that two cups? and a half cups <laughs> in, in my house where I grew up, my mom was a big coffee person, always had coffee. We, I had two and a half cups by the time I was 11 years old. You know, I mean, it was, uh, uh, she was serving coffee like a waitress at a truck stop. I mean, it was unbelievable how, uh, you want some more coffee, you want some more coffee? And it's dark, super rich coffee. I got to get her turned on to too strong, actually. But uh, anyway, it doesn't seem to have affected her. She's 90, going to be 91 in about three weeks. But uh, the answer, though, to your question is, I, do, I don't slam it down 15 cups or even eight uh, shots of espresso regularly. I'll pull it back. I'm aware of the fact that, you know, that's not a good way to be, to be, you know, cranked over that far, even if you don't feel as though it's affecting you much. So I probably settle in at about six, but I really do like espresso and I like double shots. And, uh, you know, I think yeah. I, uh, yeah, I think so about six and I'll, and, and by the way, your coffee really is great. And I'll drink Four cups of that, probably. You know what I mean? Something on that order. Yeah. No, that's a lot, man. That's that's interesting. See, everybody's got a different, um, you know, tolerance, a different level for for what works for them. And some people don't get that much of a high out of coffee. Uh, I, you know, it's again, it's uh, my personality is already and my wiring is already set for it. So I go sky high. You give me two cups of coffee in the morning, and I'm like the happiest guy alive. I'm like, hey guys, how you doing? That is the case. That is the case with coffee and caffeine. You're right about this. In fact, this is a phenomenon you're describing that is a little like chasing the dragon for me. And that is the right combination. It's different for everyone, as you've just noted. The right combination of water and coffee when it's all just coming together in the morning and maybe other liquid. I don't know. People have juices and that's it. But I'm saying for me, it's water and coffee. And when you can just hit that target that you just described. That is a blasting feeling. It is great. And it is clearly induced by this caffeine thing. But man, it feels real. I mean, it's a t I really feel like a junkie chasing that. But it is yeah. great if you can get there. And you know, that's the other funny thing, right? We have legal and illegal drugs. And in our minds, because of what we were programmed to believe through media and culture, we have this very... Uh, stark delineation between the two when in reality in the natural world there is no such delineation so when i was growing up coffee is the most acceptable thing in the world beer is unbelievably acceptable it's all good they're all clearly they're both drugs right uh and then but you cross over to marijuana it's like wow shit oh no marijuana is gonna make your head explode right and in reality it's all just slightly different drugs, but we just have accepted coffee as a perfectly fine drug. That's such a clean take. That's exactly right. In fact, you know, even when you talk about prescription medications, there are a bunch of, uh, quote, performance enhancing drugs. I'm talking about like Adderall, for example, which is used by fighter pilots. 
Uh, Adderall is used by violinists. You know, the lead violinist, I, 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 New York or London Philharmonic, one of those big ones. Uh, she was taking Adderall for the big performances. So, I mean, does that diminish the, her performance? Because, oh, my God, she you know, couldn't pass a P test? No. Uh, she's a, she, it helps her stay focused. So on some level, I'm not endorsing Adderall or any kind of our pharmaceutical. But the point is, uh, to your point, where we draw the line is completely arbitrary, and it's based on sort of some societal norm that's constantly changing. 100%. Uh, but I hear that she actually gets rid of that all in her system by downing 15 <laughs> cups of espresso. <laughs> so that's, that's how she does oh, yeah. No, you know, I've never been on Adderall. Uh, but from what I hear, it might be dangerous if I was on Adderall. Because um, I'm already pretty freaking focused. You know, like I, you know, every, we've talked probably too much about how much I work and, and how, like... The intensity of the work, right? It's one minute after another, after another, after another. And my God, if I go on Adderall, I might go 35 hours and, and not stop. I'll bury the company in emails. Nobody wants that. <laughs> well, your, your thing also, I, I just as you, because you mentioned it, is, and this is, I've always been astounded by your your work ethic, your workload, how much you, you can handle, your attention to detail, even as you're handling all of this. But also, you're not as bothered, I am really bothered when people come after me, they make stuff up or whatever. And you, they come after, I mean, you're a high profile figure. I know they come after you with every manner of BS rumor crap that gets twisted. And really it's, it's a, to, as of someone who kind of knows the inside offends me. And yet for you, you're, you can still do all you do and you don't get distracted by that stuff. I'm astounded by that, frankly. Okay, let's switch to that topic because that's a fun topic, and I, I think I was going to go there at some point. Um, so um, it doesn't sound like a fun topic, but it kind of is, uh, at least these days. So you're right. I, I let that stuff roll off my back uh, way more than than almost anyone. Uh, and uh, uh, and I actually have a slight problem with it because I have to – I've realized this recently, and it's especially important running a company – I have to adjust my perspective for other people's perspectives because I am so thick skinned. I got rhino skin, right? That uh, when it's hard for me to relate to people who are not as thick skinned, I always like, I naturally think because that's who I am, shake it off, right? It's not a big deal. Just shake it off. Don't let them get inside your head, right? Or don't be so worried about that criticism or what that person said or they framed it wrong or they said the wrong word. Move on, brother. It's going to be okay, right? But you actually can't do that because everybody has a different perspective, right? And so if someone is thin-skinned, it's not necessarily less legitimate than someone who's thick-skinned. And so it's a really interesting dynamic about making sure that you're open to that perspective as well. So that's kind of an interesting twist on that, on that, uh, where being so thick skinned actually in some ways could hurt me uh, in, in not being able to empathize with people with thin skin, right? That, that last point is the point. It's really interesting that you, in some sense, especially you, because you're running an organization and there are other people who are high profile who can be, uh, you know, assaulted on social media. And because you have this gift, which is that it rolls off of you, you kind of can say, oh, listen, don't engage. Let it roll off of you. It's not a big deal. And I know what you're saying. You're saying kind of that you you don't want to deny their feelings in a sense. You don't want to yeah. deny that what, what they're, hey, they feel really hurt by this, even though 
you don't feel hurt by it. And it's hard for you to relate to that. That's a really interesting challenge you're at. Yeah, no, in fact, it's not even just about the host and the outside criti criticism. This is super normal. It has nothing to do with TYT. It happens at every company and every company I've ever worked with uh, for and every company that I've ever heard about, which is because it's human nature. We all have misunderstandings and miscommunications, and people will say something uh, in a way that uh, that other folks don't react well to, right? And so in those moments, uh, I had to learn uh, to... It, not that when I'm involved, but when I'm adjudicating, right, between different uh, folks who work at the company, I had to learn to empathize with thin-skinned people because I kept thinking, you know, for a while, it's not that big a deal. Like, that's like, like and and you, it's natural. Like, I'm like, it's one one-thousandth of what I get at, like, 12.37 on an afternoon, right? <laughs> like, let's, let's go. Let's, because, and I'm partly saying that because I want to pick them up and I want to empower them and not them have them get bogged down on this thing that I view to be minor. But I've now come to the conclusion that that's not that's not right, uh, that uh, you have to take everybody as they are and be cognizant and sensitive to how they perceive things. Right. And and but of course, there's always two sides in, in any issue. So you got to bring them together, make sure they're communicating right. Look, in terms of human interaction. You know, it's hard to tell what the number one problem is. I don't know if this is number one, number three, number seven, but it's a very high one, which is miscommunication. Somebody says one thing and the other person interprets another and we're off to the races of bad feelings and for the rest of the time, right? And what I keep trying to tell everybody is we all have different perspectives. That might mean that they did not mean harm. They meant it this way and you perceived it that way. Please don't hate each other. You see yes. what I'm saying? Uh, I mean, not only do I see what you're saying, but I mean, you you live it in relationships, you know, uh, uh, romantic relationships, uh, uh, professional relationships, where you get dug in before you know it. I mean, I love that you said it sort of like you're off to the races, because that is true. You forget what you're arguing about. You just remember that you hate that person or that that, that company or whatever it is, because you've You've lost perspective. And I mean, truly, I can relate to that in, in, in my own even relationship, in romantic relationship, where you, you know, if you let something go too long, you it, it, you pile on other negative stuff. And before you know it, you know, you can't, you know, with all the breadcrumbs in the world, you can't find your way home. You know, it's really tough. So I, I, I do get that. Yeah, I, I hear you. Yeah. And look, uh, I so this gets to the, now the fun part. So that was definitely, I think that was interesting. But the, the fun part is I've now become kind of zen about all this, like even more so than I was before, <laughs> believe it or not. Uh, and so what used to really um, stress me out was Turkish etiquette. And, and the reason for that is because I came over from Turkey when I was eight. So I have the etiquette of a third grader. Uh, and, and so when I, and, and I, my Turkish, by the way, Turkish etiquette sounds like some kind of dish you would order at a restaurant and, uh, there's going to be some kind of wild flaming thing that comes to the table. Oh, and it's going to be delicious. And you're going to be telling your <laughs> friends for weeks, like, dude, you got to try this Turkish etiquette. It's unbelievable. Uh, okay. So, um, so since I didn't grow up in that culture, I grew up more in the American culture. Um, the, I have tr trouble, uh, navigating the cultural etiquette of other Turks who are from the mainland, right? So 
that happened this weekend, and I feel comfortable saying the story because they're all wonderful people, right? Uh, and and it's but it goes to the point of like these miscommunications, etc. And we were going to an all Turkish uh, barbecue with some friends, and and uh, and the grandfather was from Turkey, and the, and the friend is is uh, came over during college, so it's more culturally Turkish, etc. And so when my Turkish uh, isn't perfect, uh, and when I do things that are more informal, sometimes it rubs Turkish people the wrong way. Man, I used to stress about that. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to get the signals wrong and I'm going to say the wrong thing and they're going to be offended and it's going to be terrible and I'm, et cetera. But now that I'm Zen, I was like, oh, right, I don't care. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so at one point, uh, the old, old guard uh, fella, again, all good people, right? Uh, but he was like so stunned by my lack of caring about Turkish pride Right. And so he said, are you even Turkish? Okay. <laughs> and so to a Turk, that's supposed to be like the could be interpreted as like the deepest insult. Like, because obviously everyone would want to be Turkish. And, <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, this laughing about it would offend them. They're like, oh, of course. So I can understand that. Right. What is funny? What is funny about being uh, why it's so funny? We are number one. Why? Why would be funny? Why you do? Are you are you crazy enough to think we are number two? <laughs> okay. We're, we have a version of it in America. You know the myth of American exceptionalism, but it kind of comes packaged in a different way. Yeah, hundred percent. So what? But when he said like, "Are you even Turkish?" I was I laughed, and then he was like, <laughs> "He's like, how could anybody laugh at that?" Right? And and I thought it was like such a great moment that I didn't care at all. <laughs>